Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Josh Griffin. Thank you, Annette. And once again, we're recording in lockdown, so it's nice to see your face, even if it is through a Zoom, uh, rather than being in the office together. But it's uh, it's great that we can keep doing these podcasts to put out some really positive stories and just share uh, the stories of people who are doing great things and inspirational Australians. And that's what it's all about, just keeping the positivity going because there's a lot to be negative about right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, look, as you said, just let's be positive. Let's have fun. Uh, we've got a great guest on today, so I know everyone will love it. And um, yeah, let's let's get going, Josh. Well, speaking of positive, how about some positive reviews uh, for anyone listening? If you haven't had a chance to review the podcast yet, please, we'd really appreciate it if you could jump on, whether it's a Apple Podcast, Android, Spotify, jump in, give a review. And if you are using Apple Podcasts, Annette has put a super easy to follow guide on how to do it. Because we've heard that a bit, actually, people saying, I don't really know how to review. Um, it's really easy. Jump on to awardsaustralia.com slash podcast. And there's a handy link that will tell you how to do it. So on to today's guest. We're speaking to someone in Tassie who was uh, not long been in Canada. So we'll ask him about, uh, about his journeys and his travels. But for this week's dose of inspiration, we're speaking to Ben Waterworth, who was a finalist in the Tasmanian Young Achiever Awards back in 2010. So uh, it's great to have someone on, uh, you know, who it's 10 years ago now, isn't it? 11 years since, uh, since Ben's been involved. So it's great to find out what he's doing um, with himself. Ben is a guy who has a lot of podcasts. I think at one point he had six podcasts that he was hosting, producing, editing. Um, so uh, Annette and I are very uh, in awe of this guy um, and his skills in the podcast game. Um, but Ben has been in radio. He's been in media. He's done a lot of stuff. So, you know, I could read through his bio. We're going to put it in the show notes. So check it out. But let's just eke out that bio from Ben directly. Ben, welcome. Good morning. How are you doing? Good, Josh. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to chat. I, I think I joked to you a long time ago when we first uh, discussed about me coming on that I'm probably the least inspirational guest you'll ever have on the show, reading through sort of all the great stories and all the amazing inspirational guests you have on the show. So hopefully I can uh, live up to some sort of level of what you're saying there about me. But it, yeah, it's a pleasure. Pleasure to be with you on the show today. Now you're a humble, humble guy, and that's part of your appeal, Ben, I think. So can you tell us a little bit about. Um, you know, and this is more of a selfish question for me. What's it like growing up in in Tassie? Because I grew up in Adelaide, which is not exactly a big place, but you know, you, you get this uh, idea, this stereotypical view of Tassie is you know small. But when you go there, it's actually you know there's a lot going on in Tassie. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question because you know I, I can imagine you'd have a similar thing in Adelaide, sort of when you're in a a place that's not Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, you know, you kind of have this view that you're, you're missing out and you're kind of in a very, you know, uh, small place and, and it's kind of like you're in the last place in the world you want to be. So, um, I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. Growing up, I wanted nothing more to leave. You know, I, I didn't like the place. I kind of thought it was terrible and there was a whole world out there. But I think kind of in hindsight, having lived now a few places outside of Tassie and, and overseas, you kind of have grow a bit of perspective. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a beautiful place. It's it's very safe. It's very uh, homely. Like, I mean, it's it's the joke is you always know everyone here. You bump into someone yeah. whenever you go out to the shops, things like that. Um, 
you know, the weather is something that I actually like. I enjoy cold and seasonal weather. And it's, I mean, it's a place that has changed a lot. Like it's, it's different now to, you know, 10, 20 years ago when I was growing up. There's been a lot of changes here, particularly over the last 10 years, which has really put Hobart and Tassie on the map, which, you know, now, now I meet a lot of people from the mainland who are saying like, oh yeah, I, I, I did two weeks there a, a month or so ago. I loved it. Or I'm coming there like... 10 years ago, you'd never hear people who were just going to, to yeah. Hobart for a, for a visit. You know, it wasn't a place they would go to. So um, I'm, I'm very proud of, of where I'm from, where I grew up with, you know, everything along those lines. And it was always a source of pride that when I was overseas and they would ask me where I was from, Australia, oh, you know, oh, Sydney, no, no, Hobart. Oh, okay, tell me more. So yeah, um, it was unique, but, uh, yeah. you know, it definitely, I'm sure... Everybody who lives in a place like Hobart can kind of always have those sort of fun stories to tell about uh, growing up in a city of this size. For sure. Well, yeah, I can identify with that. Some of the things you're saying there, like uh, in Adelaide, one time I went with some friends, some Melbourne friends, um, and kind of I was, you know, the unofficial tour guide showing them around. And yep. uh, the stereotype became reality. We walk in the Rundle Mall and I ran into someone I knew. We yep. uh, went to the basketball game at 36s and uh, I ran into someone, two people actually I knew at mm-hmm. the uh, – and it was just like, you know, didn't expect it, but uh, they were like, oh, Adelaide's so small, you know, everyone. But it was, I think it was a fluke. But anyway. You, you know, it's weird here when, like, you've been away for about three or so years and within a week when you go into the city, you're all of a sudden seeing people that you know. And you're like, oh, well, I haven't been here for three years. And there they are. They're still here. <laughs> yeah. So funny. So can you tell us about, you know, as you were kind of growing up a bit and getting into your career, um, how did you get into to radio and, and media? It's sort of an interesting story because sort of when I was younger, I think I kind of got the idea of going into it a little bit. Um, big sports fan, you know, I, I sadly didn't have the talent <laughs> to kind of pursue any of my sporting dreams. You know, I, you know, standard kid played all the sports under the sun and hoped to make a career out of it, but nothing ever stuck. So I kind of, having watched so many sports and everything, it kind of like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll become a sports commentator. So it sort of, it bit me quite early, that bug of, of wanting to go into broadcasting. So uh, I guess kind of going through school, it was kind of something that I was thinking, okay, this is what I want to do. And uh, Tassie, we have a bit of a weird sort of school system. It's sort of changing a little bit now, but sort of when I was in school, um, you would do high school from year seven to 10, and then you would do what's called college, which was year 11 and 12 before going to uni. Um, so when I got to year 11, it was, it was college. It was, you know, I went to an all boys high school. So it was kind of like, Hey girls, great. Everything get to year 11. So it was a whole other world. And I did my first ever journalism class. And as part of that journalism class, we had a, a weekly designated slot on a local community radio station here called edge radio in hobart and we would get into sort of a group of three and then you would have a three-week stint in that group and you would each alternate in terms of taking a hosting gig and then you would sort of swap around so when it came to my turn with two other uh co-hosts um you know had an absolute blast like absolutely loved it and that point i'd sort of i know really thought maybe of like tv and kind of that sort of stuff so anyway, the get our first show and I sort of get called up upstairs afterwards. Like uh, I think our teacher would take us in and then he would sort of, you know, take you back. And then he'd say, oh, Ben, the manager wants to speak to you. And I'm thinking, oh, like, oh, like what have I done? Normally I not a good thing. No, no, not at all. Um, but it was, it was actually a good thing. You know, he liked how I sounded. He liked my style and everything. This was like my first ever time being on a radio show and uh, kind of 
offered me if I wanted to do more. So kind of from there, it was sort of um, some sporadic gigs here and there. And then basically over time, I just kind of, I stuck with Edge Radio. Um, you know, that was 2004. I basically had a show of there on some capacity right through till 2017, you know, with a, with a break here or there sort of slightly. But um, yeah, it was sort of, it kind of fell into that really from that. And, you know, from that, that has given me obviously all the podcasts I do now, all the opportunities. Um, you know, I went on to, to university, got my journalism degree, you know, I've worked in newspapers, magazines, um, other radio stations, you know, here and there. So, yeah, that's kind of how it all it all happened. It was sort of, uh, you know, an accidental thing for radio. But at the end of the day, it's worked out well because I have a face for radio, not for TV. So I think it kind of, it was it was where I should have gone really and not really focused on the, on the TV. There's a reason why I've never been, a, you know, a TV reporter or a host. So, yeah. <laughs> and, man, I think you've got a great face, but it is true. You've got a great voice as well. Now, you got to tell me about this. You've alluded this to me in the past. You, you did say earlier that, you know, we've had some emails back and forth uh, for a few months now, and uh, you have alluded to, and I'm aware of, of, what, of a little bit of what I'm about to ask you, but I don't know the full story, and I'm excited to hear it. So when you were at Edge Radio, there was a bit of a joke going on that you seemed to be uh, pioneering and kind of behind of about bringing the Olympics to Hobart. Is that right? Am I on the right yeah. track here? Yeah, and can you tell us a bit more? Very right track. Yes, that was, um, I mean, you, you mentioned in the intro sort of, you know, being nominated for for uh, Tasmania Young Achiever and sort of everything. I mean, it all, it's crazy to think back on how er- everything like that came about. We um, were sort of in the initial days. So the, the main show that sort of did on Edge Radio was a show called The Brink. You know, we had done sort of the the school-based ones for a while and then we kind of spun it off into this one. And, you know, gradually it was, a I think, like a Friday afternoon show, then a Monday afternoon show, then when we sort of became the, the, the daily breakfast show. And through all of that, I, I think it was around 2006, I want to say, we just came up with the idea for some reason of, hey, like, let's jokingly, you know, make Hobart bid for the Olympics. And at that point it was 2016. And it was just a started off as one joke segment you know, and then it kind of turned into, hey, let's make a logo and, hey, let's do a silly bid video. And I think I think a lot of the inspiration of it came from it because um, as a massive Olympics fan, you, you know, and I think most people of a certain age will remember back during Sydney, Salt Lake and Athens, Roy and HG, of course, kind yeah. of, you know, bringing their own take on the Olympics. And during the Salt Lake Winter Olympics, they did the whole Smiggins Holes bid for a, a Winter Olympics and, you know, it, it turned into a, a big joke. So we kind of took that and like, okay, great. And it was just kind of a segment we would do, um, you know, for a few years. We we started to, you know, branch out and rather than just talk to ourselves, we started to, hey, let's get some guests on. And, you know, we started getting some, you know, decent guests on. And so then we'd play the joke with them. And when we started to get some Olympians on, we're like, hey, like, ha-ha, you know, do you support the Hobart Olympic bid? And then the Premier would come on, ha-ha, do you support the Hobart Olympic bid? It just Man. kind of, you know, little things like that. And then <laughs> I don't even know how it happened. It went from sort of this joke to all of a sudden we were taking it a bit more seriously. We we, we actually started forming a, a mini committee and then it was kind of a case of, okay, this is happening, so let's contact some people. This happened. Um, and then all of a sudden we were being interviewed by national media. We were being interviewed by international media. We were being invited to be flown out to 
international sporting event organizing sort of conferences. What's really? Um, yeah, we were being flown to Melbourne to speak to sponsors. Um, it took off like out of nowhere. And it, in all honesty, like Hobart could never host an Olympic, you know, not even <laughs> remotely close to hosting an Olympics. So, like, it was always something where. I think it just, I got too caught up in the moment <laughs> and it was like, because I mean, at the end of the day, it was fun. It was funny. It yeah. was a bit silly. We, we got ripped shreds into by the media because again, they're saying they're like, Hobart could never host an Olympics. What are you talking about? Um, but I think at the end of the day, what what came from it, and I think this is what led to sort of me getting r- ridiculously nominated for these. Again, this is why I'm saying I'm the least inspirational person. Like you've got people on here who are doing, you know, amazing things out there and I'm getting nominated for a joke bid for the Olympics. But we, we were getting attention out there for, for Hobart. Like, and, you know, going back to your question about growing up here and, you know, feeling like you're, you're in the smallest place in the world. I mean, it is a thing that Hobart does get forgotten, not just Hobart, Tasmania. I mean, it's a, it's a game. You watch a movie or a TV show and there's a map of the world and you're like, oh, let me guess, Tasmania's not on the map. And, yeah, and it's not even just a, a movie thing. Like, com- constantly mainland organisations are leaving Tasmania off the map and think literally, you know. So yeah. it was getting exposure out there on weird levels. Um, you, you know, we were featured on some, you know, prominent Olympic bid websites that have been around for years. You know, we produced, we, we had people contacting us just off around the world wanting to help out. Like, I want to be a volunteer, like thinking this is legitimately going to happen. We got um, pins made up and Olympic pins are huge trading, you know, and, and collector's items. And I don't, I think they were American companies sort of contacted us like, yeah, we'll make you some pins. I'm like, we didn't have to pay a cent. And they made huh. us 100 pins, sent it to us. And I've seen them being sold on eBay for like over $100 because oh, people yeah. just think like oh this is great you know this is yeah. an amazing thing um that's a collector's item now memorabilia yeah little random things like that we we had um you know people around the world just taking photos of the logo we got people like stand in front of a world landmark with the, the hobart logo and and they did it yeah it was it was a whirlwind I and mean, this is probably only the space of like 12 to 18 months when it took really seriously i mean again as i said it seems like a whirlwind away i mean i got contacted last year by uh a reporter down here to basically do a, a retrospective, do a story on it. Cause obviously with Tokyo being canceled, they're like, Hey, well, the Olympics are meant to be on right now. So why can't Hobart host? Hobart can swoop in. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of the thing. And um, it was interesting because so much has happened in my life since then. Like I remember when that was happening, that was, it took over. It was kind of my life. I get very consumed in things when I do them. So now when it kind of gets brought up, I'm like, Oh yeah, I did that. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it was, it was crazy. It really, really was crazy to think back on how that went from just a silly little segment one day to, yeah, I, I believe I was told that John Coates, who, of course, is still the, the president of the AOC, yep. vice president of the IOC, I was heard, I, I was told that at a, at a, I don't know, it was like a national, the, the, the yearly, the annual sort of Olympic meeting with all the state sort of um, Olympic uh, areas, Basically, he mentioned it in a speech or he approached the Tasmanian Olympic Committee and sort of talked to them about it. Like, I, I, again, I can't back oh. that up. I was just told. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's pretty cool. If that is it. John Coates, the IOC vice president now, was even talking about it. So, yeah. Well, uh, you know, to touch on, you know, you're being very self-deprecating and saying uh, you're the least inspirational person we've had on the podcast. I, you know, it's so interesting because we do interview so many people from completely different walks of life and just doing completely different things. And what I've found is that sometimes the inspirational thing that someone has done, that person just does not 
believe, like you in some respects, that that was inspirational. But it could be something that's over a long time. It could be, you know, an ongoing activity or it could be a moment in time, which is kind of what yours was. It was a moment in time, but it actually captured the minds of quite a few people from the sounds of it um, and brought, as you said, some incredible attention to Hobart, international attention. So to me, that's pretty cool. It's pretty worth recognising and applauding, I reckon. Well, I mean, thank you very much. Um, it's 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 kind of I've always been that type of person who's hard, uh, you know, always finds it hard to take any sort of compliments and things like that. So it's kind of the, the go to. But yeah, I mean, it is a as I said, like Hobart is kind of a place which kind of yeah, particularly that time. Again, a lot has changed since then, but it, it was nice to kind of shine a bit of a spotlight here and there. You know, it was kind of a case of. You'd, you'd get note that you were, you know, somebody was talking about, I remember Wide World of Sports, you know, somebody sending a link that they were doing some sort of segment and you had like Ken Sutcliffe sitting there. I think it was like Melinda Gaines for Taylor, all these kind of, you know, big names and sort of talking about it. And then it just, it le- leads into a joke. And then there was a, an MP down here who actually brought it up in, in Parliament. And, you know, so the Hobart Olympic bit is always in Hansard in Tasmania. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then just watching the footage of it though, like, she mentions it and you literally hear audible laughter from everybody in the chamber. Um, so it's kind of like, that's kind of what it always came down to. Yeah. Like it was sort of like, it was at attention, but, and like, I get it. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say like, Oh, that was offensive. Like they should have been taking this seriously because no, it shouldn't have been taken seriously. It really shouldn't have. But um, it was kind of that double-edged sword where it was great to kind of get that attention, but yeah, it was something that realistically was never going to happen. Um, yeah. And it's funny because like a lot of that sort of, uh, I guess humor and the the joking and the mocking and that came from Australia, of course. Whereas the international side of things, like people who don't know Hobart, people don't know what the city's like. So that's where you were getting the legitimate people contacting you and sort of being like, okay, like tell me how this is going to work. I mean, yeah. you know, we we've we reached out to sporting federations around Australia and be like, hey, so are you going to support our bid? Um, and just just things like that. I think I think from memory, I got sent a a link to they, they do like a, a world sports like a, a city book where it's basically like this is these are all the cities in the world that can host global sporting events these are their stadiums this is what you, you can do if you're looking for a city around the world to host and it's not just multi-sport events it's just if you want your world championships here yeah. and i remember somebody sent me the link to like the the e-version of it and you're looking at Sydney, his stadium, Australia, and, you know, Hyacinth Arena and all this kind of stuff. He's Melbourne, the MCG, Adelaide, Adelaide, Oval, all these, you know. And then you've got Hobart. And then they've, like, taken everything from our websites. And these are, like, mock venues that don't exist. Uh, so, like, we were talking about building a main stadium called David Foster Stadium, named after our iconic woodchopper. We had David Boone Centre to name after, you know. We had the, the Ponting Dome. And Ponting then, of course... Dome. <laughs> named after the esteemed Tasmanian Big Brother winner Regina Bird, we had Regina Arena, and <laughs> people then like were publishing this, and we had got like mock drawings up, and there's literally this world guide next to the MCG and then all this sort of stuff. Regina Arena, I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> something's gone a little bit weird here, but we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that's like the old Wikipedia research. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, again, yeah. Ba- I mean, back to your point. It's sort of, yeah. It was, it was fun. It got some attention out there for Hobart, and and at the end of the day, if if it brought somebody out there to go, oh, Hobart, that doesn't sound yeah. too bad. Then great. I wonder if you've had any people looking at that venue, like you know, people who are stadium fanatics, and they're like, oh, gee, I've got to get to Regina Arena in Ponting Dome, and they've <laughs> planned a trip to 
Tazzy and been a bit disappointed. A bit disapp- yeah, come here and that. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, kind of the irony of it all is that you know you think about the effort and everything that would involve in the Olympics, and it, you know, I mean, I I was lucky enough to work at the Commonwealth Games in on the Gold Coast in 2018, and you know, even the Commonwealth Games, which is about a quarter the size of the Olympics, you know, the the scale and everything. But I mean, we're in the midst of Tazzy right now, obviously, of um, you know, really battling to get an AFL team, and mm. it's it's something there which that in itself is a is a massive hurdle overcome and anybody who knows anything about Tasmania would know sort of some of the I guess the internal issues we have here with sort of the north-south divide you know where would we have a team and you know our stadiums aren't up to scratch so where would you build a new one and that comes you know with a whole other set of uh issues so an Olympic I I yeah, we, we, we sort of switched focus to maybe getting a youth Olympic. And realistically, I think Hobart could host a youth Olympics. It's it's a much smaller scale and it's kind yeah. of, it's a lot more relaxed. But um, even then, I mean, it would be a challenge for a place down here just because of uh, not just infrastructure and, and the size of the place, but I guess just some of the, the things we have that kind of prevent us from doing some of those things along the lines. So, um, you know, you were a big Olympic fan. Did you uh, have... You know, two plus weeks of uh, pure bliss recently. Yeah, um, two plus weeks that were very long overdue. Um, yeah, yes. I, I get incredibly invested in the Olympics. Always have. You do even more so. Yeah, of one of the podcasts I do as an Olympics one, so we're doing daily recaps. So you kind of have to, um, you know, switch focus a little bit more. But um, I'll be honest with you. I uh, the the great thing about Tokyo and being delayed a year is that it means that it's um, only then a few more months till the real Olympics, the Winter Olympics, which I'm uh, I'm even more of a bigger fan. Oh, a big uh, Winter Olympics fan. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, Summer Olympics are, you know, amazing. I absolutely love them, but I've always been weirdly more obsessed with the Winter Olympics, mm. which is just, um, I think it just comes down to the fact that these are sports that, as Australians, we never really get to see. Ice hockey is there, um, and kind of as we discussed in the show recently, whereas at the Summer Olympics, there's probably a handful of sports that you can probably take out of the Olympics and not lose anything. Winter Olympics, there's no such thing as a bad sport. Every single sport at the Winter Olympics is amazing. So, um, yeah, busy last two last few two weeks uh, when it was on. And, um, yeah, now it's sort of the countdown to Beijing. So, yeah, yes. I always get very weirdly addicted to them. Yeah, we have the Paralympics coming up, which is a bit That's in true. Yeah, some exactly. ways unfortunate there was such a big gap because I think it's kind of people have, yeah, maybe moved on. Well, it's usually, I think these ones are closer. Usually the Paralympics, I think, are longer. Like it's more of a sort of a month gap. I'm oh, okay. There you go. It shows my memory is that in my memory, in my head, not being, you know, I'm a casual. When, it, when it's on, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, sweet. I'll watch all the sport in the world. But um, in my head, it's like, all right, sweet. Olympics finished, Paralympics. There you go. So there's a bit of a gap normally. Yeah. And usually, I mean, the Paralympics are just absolutely incredible. I mean, you talk about inspirational people. I mean, my goodness, uh, I mean, it's just I'm always in awe of watching these athletes just in what they can do and what they've overcome to kind of even yeah. get there to do that. And just, I mean, the fact too is that there's like, you know, 10 different categories for every single event. So you're going to have, you know, 10 different 100-meter sprints, you know, 10 different 100-meter swimming races. Like it's just, it's crazy. And each one of them has their own just like moments. So, yeah, it's um, it's an incredible, it's an incredible event. Yes, well, uh with the Olympics, we actually have had a couple of um, Young Achieve Rewards alumni, if you will, competing at Tokyo. So we had Kyle Chalmers. He's oh, great, uh, great. from SA. And uh, Alex and Annette Edmondson, I believe. Maybe it was just Annette Edmondson who was there this year. Anyway, yeah. uh, Rowan Dennis, who uh, got the bronze in the 
time trials. I think uh, who else we had? Arian Titmus, actually, another Tassie. She was yes nominated when she was very young. It's it's the fascinating with Ariane is that you know she's moved to Queensland, so a lot of people try and claim. But like thing is, Tasmania, we know who our own are. So like we know who a Tasmanian is. And what was amazing about um, Ariane is that it's actually was fascinating to learn. She was Tasmania's first ever individual Olympic gold medalist. Uh, Really, throughout the history of Tasmanian Olympians, they've only ever won gold medals in team sports or Jeez. say rowing with there being in a pair or something like that. So yeah. that was something, I don't know how much that made the media down here, but we sort of worked that. that out. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. That is kind of crazy. Isn't it to think about? Yeah. Cause we had a couple of um, kookaburras, silver medalists, Eddie Ockenden, you know, he's, a, he's a, the, probably the greatest uh, hockey player Australia's ever produced. I actually played against him when I played hockey. I remember That's a good claim to fame. Him. Well, I remember interviewing him many years ago because I was a goalkeeper and I remember saying to him, like, I, I want to take credit for your career and scoring so many goals because remember that really bad goalkeeper that used to play against <laughs> in that team? Uh, that was me. So you're welcome for all the shooting practice. So, <laughs> um, it was Josh Belts as well. So, yeah, we had a couple of Taz, uh, Tassie medalists, but um, it was sort of Ariane Titmus was sort of the one that, um, yeah, we, we obviously, because I mean, her dad, Steve, he was, Growing up, he was the number one newsreader in Tasmania. I remember when she sort of started to become a thing. I'm like, Titmus, is that any relation to Steve Titmus? And I was like, yes, uh, you know, the the Southern Cross Channel 7 newsreader growing yeah. up. So it's kind of weird to have that connection to somebody. Again, Tasmania, I don't know the guy personally, but you still sort of know where she's coming from. Yeah, the name, as you said, the name rings a bell. Yeah. yeah. So if anyone's wanting to check out that uh, Olympic podcast, and, you know, as you said, you're very excited for the Winter Olympics coming up. What, where can they find that? What's it called? It's called Off the Podium, um, so you can sort of find it on all the good uh, podcast channels where obviously you can find uh, this podcast as well. Uh, social media, we're on Instagram, Facebook and um, Twitter. And, yeah, we're sort of in the midst of just doing interviews. We're trying to sort of have an interview every week in the lead-up to Beijing, so we're sort of at the moment mixing it up with some returning Tokyo Olympians. We've got some uh, Winter Olympians in the lead-up to Beijing, and we're sort of a co australian canadian production sort of one of our co-hosts is is canadian so um obviously a lot of australian athletes on there but we have a lot of canadian athletes as well and even sort of non-canadian australian like we've got some american guests lined up we've got a swiss guest lined up we've interviewed cool. one of the original jamaican bobsledders so you know well, things like that awesome. so yep. yeah yeah now speaking of canada so yeah what i know that you lived there for a, a while can you tell us what took you there and some of your experiences living there in canada yeah, um, Canada has been a place that I've sort of always been weirdly obsessed with. Like I remember as a kid, I just, um, I loved it. Like it was just sort of, I would be cheering for Canada and things outside of, uh, you know, when Australia would be competing. I mean, you talk about the Winter Olympics, I would generally go for Canada more than Australia because they're obviously winning more medals. So it was a place that I'd always kind of wanted to go to and, and loved and sort of it always, I guess, kind of, Back to the point about always wanting to leave Tasmania, I was like, well, you know, maybe I could live in Canada one day. So I visited there for the first time when I was 23, loved it, been back a couple of times since sort of over the years. Um, so it was kind of always on the bucket list. A few years ago, I, I, I met a Canadian, so it kind of, uh, you know, uh, it worked that way. And as the story goes, you fall in love and kind of all that kind of fun stuff happens. So it, it ended up being, uh, um, you know, good timing at the time to kind of head over there and move over there with Hearst. That was sort of the the main reason kind of how it all happened, but it, it would have it would have happened either way. Like it, yeah. it was definitely something that was always in the pipeline. But 
I mean, experiences wise, it was, I mean, it was amazing. It was, I was living in Victoria in, in BC. So if people sort of don't know where that is, it's on uh, an island called Vancouver Island. So it's sort of just off the West coast near Vancouver. It's about a, a 90 minute ferry ride from Vancouver. Um, and then. Oh, so you, yeah. So proper island, not just a. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, this is the thing. I've sort of lived on islands my whole life. <laughs> I've lived on Tasmania, <laughs> Australia, New Zealand, now Canada, and still I'm on, a, on an island, but um, no, it's because. I would often compare Vancouver Island to Tasmania. It's sort of, you know, similar in terms of uh, it's sort of a small island, um, often it's forgotten about. Um, and Victoria itself is very similar to Hobart. But the difference is is that, yeah, I could wake up at 7.30 in the morning and be in Vancouver by 9.30 in the morning by technically driving, um, whereas, you know, I could not drive to Melbourne. And, you know, at 7.30 in the morning, I have, to, you know, three, four hours to get to Devonport, another eight-hour journey on the Spirit of Tasmania, so it's not going to happen. So, um, and Victoria is, it's an interesting place. I had only ever heard of Victoria because uh, they hosted the 94 Commonwealth Games. Um, yep. So I remember when I, I met my partner and she sort of mentioned she was from Victoria, I'm like, ah, 94 Commonwealth Games. Um, sort of a weird, <laughs> weird connection. But, um, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, loved it. I love Canadians. I love the people. I, I love kind of the atmosphere there. I, I mean, I always sort of jokingly say that North Americans are my people. Like, I kind of vibe very well with uh, Americans and Canadians, and I, I love it over there. I've travelled most mostly to North America, been over things like 28 states in the US, um, a large majority of the provinces in Canada. So, um, so many experiences over there. I mean, I was obsessed with ice hockey and i got in cahoots with a local uh team there and i was doing media stuff for them um i was doing uh paid podcasting over there for a news organization obviously it was a bit tricky in the pandemic to be able to do all the things i would like to do we went to vancouver a couple of times not as much as i'd like um you know i'd organize my us visa so i could go throughout there a lot would have gone to seattle a lot because that's only you know a couple yeah. of hours away as well but obviously pandemic can't really do much of that yeah, it was it was an amazing experience and and um, definitely a place that I will be getting back to. I guess yeah. when sort of things calm down a little bit. Was the uh, the pandemic kind of behind your move back here to, to Tassie? No, it was sort of um, yeah, it was just a few personal things going on, which kind of you know didn't have too much of a choice really to sort of to come back. So um, yeah, it was it was hard to leave. It was it again, didn't want to leave in the slightest, if I'm being yep. completely honest with you. So it was sort of not really a, a proactive choice. Um, things have, things had have been a certain way I would still be there. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's kind of interesting because people hear that and like, I mean, even me being back in Tasmania, it's sort of incognito. There's still a lot of friends and family that don't know that I'm back. So it's kind of when they find out, it's like, oh, pandemic reasons. Um, I, I might just start using that as an excuse now to, <laughs> to explain. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice, easy one. Well, I only asked because I had a friend, um, yeah, living in uh, Amsterdam and, uh, you know, he wanted to get back into London, but his visa, whatever it is, long story short, he just thought, well, I don't know what's going to happen here. I better just come back just to be safe. Um you know, now I can stuck. fall back on uh, the Australian <laughs> healthcare system. So yeah, and that was well, just before it all got really real last year. So, well, I got. I mean, God, that that's a whole other episode in itself. I mean, I moved to Canada in the like when everything hit the fan. I was living in New Zealand. Um, oh. I actually was in Australia at the time because I'd come back for the Grand Prix, and that was the weekend that everything happened. Uh, I mean, I was at the gates of the Grand Prix when it got cancelled, and then the next Jeez. day. Jacinda closed the borders to New Zealand, so I had to get back. Then the next day, Justin closed the borders 
was in Canada. So I had to rush over. And then my partner thinking, cause she's Canadian, like I'll stay back for a week. I'll get the fares in order and I'll join you in a week. That's when just in the close the entire country of New Zealand down. So she was stuck in New Zealand for two months. Oh. I got stuck in, I got stuck in the States cause they wouldn't let me into Canada, even though I was allowed to get into Canada. It was a whole, you wow. know, just a massive, massive kerfuffle. And then this year coming back, like, I was zigzagging across the States just to get a flight back to Australia. And then you obviously have to do the whole two week, you know, quarantine. I've, I've done three two week quarantines. So three of them. Um, yeah. I'm kind of down pat with them now, but um, <laughs> yeah, lots of stories to tell the grandkids about one day. <laughs> well, what's, what's your, uh, now you're a quarantine pro. What's your um, quick quarantine pro tips for anyone who's uh, who might have to do oh. it soon? podcast uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point you get a lot of podcasts yeah. out in that time it helps you like i mean yeah, yeah i mean i i'm generally a you know staying at home recording type of guy anyway so honestly a lot of the the stuff has not really affected me i mean i've been lucky that wherever i've been i've i've not faced a lockdown um as such so but even then i feel that it wouldn't really affect me i mean canada was sort of interesting because there were restrictions in place. There were definitely things you could and couldn't do, but you were never locked down. You were never under a threat of a lockdown. And I think kind of based on recent experiences, I, I think Canada have done it a little bit better than we have here, but that's a whole other conversation. But um, yeah, start podcasting. Um, you know, I say the cliche of Netflix and all that kind of stuff, but no, podcasting keeps you busy. So do that. Do you know what? I've actually got a bit of an idea that I keep meaning to do. So you were inspiring me here is uh, start some some podcasts, but not actually for, I, mean, I could release them, but not actually for public release, just for, uh, you know, because doing these ones, I've learned that sometimes you hear the story of uh, of someone and their friends and family actually like, you know, comment on the post on social media saying like, wow, I actually didn't know that about you, about that experience you had growing up or something. And they've been friends for 20 years or whatever, or their family. Wow. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just like, yeah. when you're hanging out with your friends, you forget to ask or certain questions about, their, their childhood or whatever and so you know it's a wanted... family podcast share it around the, the family and friends sort of thing yeah 100 percent. like yeah anyway well, i'm used to that I, my family and friends are the only ones who listen to my show so it's kind of that's what i'm doing anyway <laughs> <laughs> now well speaking of some of your shows uh i am very interested because not only do you have some excellent pop culture references in your background there like am, am i seeing a simpsons inspired flag up there you are yeah. yes that, that. that was a gift from my boss in canada who um, was like, I've got a gift for you. And I'm like, okay. And then he he gives me this flag and I just, I lost it. I'm like, this is the best gift I've ever <laughs> seen. Like, you know. It's hilarious. It makes me think, yeah, exactly. So it's the the Simpsons bum uh, boot kicking flag from the Australian episode of the Simpsons. And they're like, don't, uh, was it, don't disparage the boot. That's a bootable offense. It's a national icon. And they point to the flag. It's brilliant. Yeah. And uh, I can see the little, uh, what are they called? The, um, the pops? The figures with the big heads. Yeah, the pops. Yeah, they're all my James Bond inspired ones, which kind of oh. when we're doing the uh, the Bond podcast, and um, yeah, it's kind of interesting, sort of you know, sort of the setup that I've got here. Um, you know, I had a, an epic sort of wall sort of display where I was in Canada, so I've kind of had to do a makeshift one now. But um, I sort of went with the, the the flag, the Tasmanian flag that's above me is sort of a, a mock design. There's um, I think they're called Flags of Australia on Instagram. They sort of do. Uh, I guess, makeshift designs for potential flags of, you know, if we ever change the sort of the, the Union Jack style. And I love that design. It's a, it's a thylacine kind of with the state's colours of sort of the dark green, the yellow and the and the red. So yeah. I asked his permission if I could make a version up. He said I could. Um, and then with the movie posters, yeah, Jurassic Park, 
my favorite movie of all time. Uh, I'm a big, obviously, Bond fan and sort of Die Another Day is kind of a, a running joke on our Bond podcast. If anyone knows anything about the Bond films, Die Another Day is often regarded as a pretty rubbish entry. But I weirdly love it. I know it's trash, but I get so entertained with it. And I'm a Madonna fan, so I love the song. Is so it the I one? I'm not a, not a Bond fan like you. Is it the one where he's in the tank? No, that's no. Uh, that's Goldeneye. If you remember a very cheesy CGI ice a surfing scene with a parachute, yeah, Halle Berry. Um, Halle Berry. I remember Halle Berry's in that. Okay, I can see the poster behind you. So. Yep, yep. And then Star Wars, big Star Wars fan, and I'm probably the biggest prequel defender on the planet. I was going to say, not many people would have one of the prequel posters up there. I'm trying to think. No, that must be the third yeah. one. Is that? Um, I, um, and I'm on the weirdly controversial opinion that, to me, is the best Star Wars movie, Revenge of the Sith. So that's a whole other. We spent 54 hours recapping all the Star Wars movies in the lead up to The Rise <laughs> of Skywalker. So, again, I have no life. But, um, yeah. So I like to be a bit quirky sometimes with those weird yep. opinions of, um, you know, what movie's the best in a franchise and what's not. So Well, Ben, yeah. can I test you here? Because I recently found out, I recently had some uh, Jurassic Park trivia. It was just one question in a wider okay. trivia. So I'm going to give it to you and see how you go with it. All right. See if I remember at the top of the head. So um, in Jurassic Park, the original, your favourite movie of all time, the Velociraptor noise yep. supposedly was... Um, created by taking audio of two animals mating. Yep. Do you know which animals that were? I'm pretty sure it was a dolphin and turtle. No, you got it. Yeah. because I, 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 I have definitely... with a tortoise, but I've seen, I Googled afterwards, I didn't believe it. And uh, I've seen both turtle and tortoise. Yeah. It's crazy all the, the noises because like you hear it and you, like I think it is in the roar, wasn't it like a, a, like a lion and a tiger and a bear. Like, I had to like combine it to the T-Rex roar yep. and stuff like that. So yeah, it's crazy Ooh, when you hear good. those facts, isn't it? He's very, very good. I'm obsessed. I have no life. What can I say? I mean, you could argue that. Obviously, you have a great life. You're talking about the things you love. Isn't that that's beautiful? Yeah. Well, I mean, th- that is true. It would be nice if uh, that that led to a nice steady income. I, mm. I would say that would would be a kind of a fair thing. But very true, uh, no, very we true. did when we did Jurassic Park because we, we sort of the Oz Network is sort of our TV movie one, and we we generally do you know recaps where we kind of go over the whole film. Usually it takes us a couple hours, and um, and we often sort of tie into the release so like obviously the star wars ones were in the release of rise of skywalker and when we did the jurassic park films it was in the lead up to fallen kingdom so um gosh i remember when we did the the original jurassic park that was like the the best day of my life <laughs> i was like yeah hey, we're getting to talk about jurassic park here we go so is <laughs> this one on this. <laughs> particular podcast that you talk about all these movies yeah it's called the oz network, the oz network um, yeah which i mean kind of long story short we we used to be a solely survivor podcast called survivor oz and just focus purely on on Survivor and sort of um sort of through that that's where we had spin off shows so like the James Bond podcast called Double Oz Seven. There's usually always the word Oz generally in a lot of these podcasts. Um and you know we just had so much fun doing Double Oz Seven that eventually we got to a point where it's like yeah we love talking about Survivor and it was great fun. I mean we it was the most listened to podcast I ever had. I mean it was ridiculous the, the extent we got listened to. Um but. It was sort of like we just wanted to branch out a little bit more. Um, we were getting a bit tired of the Survivor fan community. It was very consuming. We were doing so many episodes. I mean, you think you just do a, oh, let's recap the episode of Survivor. No, we were recapping Survivor. We were getting guests on. We were doing exit interviews. It was just, it was a full-time job in itself. Oh, so, so you were, were talking like, to the contestants as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, cool. um, we set ourselves a goal to interview every single former contestant. I think at the time there might have been 450 at the time, and we got up to about 300-odd uh of them uh i mean gosh like survivor is 
Survivor has always been like something I've been obsessed with, but the fact that you want to talk about things in the last 10 years that have really formed a part of my life. I mean, I I can call a large amount of US contestants my close personal friends. I've wow. stayed with them in the US. Uh, I was, you know, um, going to have some of them at my wedding. Like people like this are sort of, uh, you know, really close friends. I forget they're Survivor contestants. They're just my friends now. It's kind of weird. Um, and my Australian Survivor podcast, I host a history one. Um, I co-host that with a an Australian Survivor contestant. He was on one of the Channel 10 seasons. So, so who um, was that? Uh, Matt Dyson. He was in the first Champions versus Contenders. He was the first boot. He was the uh, the bald traffic cop that okay. kind of uh, couldn't keep his mouth shut. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's it's funny because um, I actually we I I sort of knew him before he went on. He was sort of a listen to our show and um, sort of paths crossed. And the the thing with the Australian Survivor one, so like. I was saying that we did Survivor, I was that kind of just transitioned to the Oz Networks. We wanted to cover more movies and TVs. But with the ones, this one's called Australian Survivor Archives. Um, I don't think a lot of people know in Australia or remember the history of Australian Survivor. So people watch it now on Channel 10. I mean, right now I believe they're calling this current season season five because it's the fifth season on Channel 10. It's actually season seven because... In 2002, Channel 9 did a local version of Australian Survivor. It was sort of contractually obliged that when you aired the US version back when it started, you had to produce a local version. Oh, okay. So they did back in 2002. It was filmed in uh, South Australia. It was filmed in Whalers Way near Port Lincoln. Um, And it wasn't very well received because there were little things like they couldn't get the rights to the music. They couldn't get the rights to sort of, you know, other parts of it. So... It wasn't something that people liked at the time. And then in 2006, Channel 7 found a loophole in the Survivor contract and were allowed to do a celebrity version. Uh, So they did Celebrity Survivor in 2006. Um, You know, you had people like Guy Leach, Imogen Bailey, Wayne Gardner, you know, sort of your Bs and C-list celebrities at the time. But um, so we decided to kind of acknowledge the history because we, like the first season back in 2002 was actually severely underrated it is amazing um and now we're we're up to covering celebrity survivor and then we're going to go through all the older channel 10 seasons so that's kind of was our our um project and it's been amazing we we tracked down every single contestant from the og 2002 version the ones who are, are with us there's yeah. um two have sadly passed away and one's oh. in jail oh the story there um yeah well wow. yeah so we um we did that and we're actually in november this year COVID permitting, we're, we're organising a 20-year reunion in Whaler's oh. Way. So we are flying to Whaler's Way and a bunch of the contestants are going to go back to the filming location and we're going to host like a little event over a weekend. So um, well, it's a fun project and it's deep history of Australian yeah. survival that people I don't think realise is actually a thing. And it's, it's led me, I've always wanted to write a book and I'm in the process of writing my first book. I'm going to write a book on the history of Australian survivor. Probably sell well, one copy. but I really, yeah, I mean, I'll buy it, mate, because I really like uh now that I know, I like the newer <laughs> Channel 10 yep. series, quite like it. I, and I'd known about the American Survivor. You know, I've watched bits and pieces, but I don't couldn't even tell you if I watched a whole season straight through. And I just thought, oh, I'll give the Australian one a, a view, and I got hooked immediately. Um, it's and, different. Uh, like, I'll say right now, like, because I, I find it fascinating now that in this country we've got fans who are, and it's great. Like, it's a great thing that people are hooked on Survivor based on the Australian version. This is how it should have always been. But, yeah, I've met so many people now who are like, oh, I've never watched the US one. And that, that baffles me because, That's like, me. it's, yeah, like, I mean, I, I'm a day one viewer. I was 13 when it aired in 2000. 
2000 and I was hooked immediately. Yeah. So I've watched every season from day one. I've gone through everything. And this is the thing I would like to say, like for someone like yourself, if the Australian one, or even if you go back and watch the older US versions, like it's almost like watching a documentary kind of <laughs> watching the, like if you watch season one of Borneo, it's insanely different. Like nowadays it's flashy, it's idols, there's twists, there's blind sides. It's, you're taught to play the game now that you've got to have this survivor resume, which gives me the absolute, I don't know if I meant to swear on this, absolute, you know, poos basically because it's yeah. not a thing. Um, whereas, like, it used to just be the social aspect. You're just forming relationships and, you know, there's all levels of gameplay. So, yeah, it's it's fa- but it's, it's a great thing. Like, don't get me wrong. It is it's fantastic that Australian survivor fans are a thing based on a local version. Cause this is how yeah. it should have been back in 2002. It should have taken off back then. It sadly didn't. Um, and I know many Americans who are bigger fans of our version than they are of their own. Cause it's real. There the, you go. The U S version has taken many twists and turns and they're about to do their 41st season uh, in a couple of weeks. Incredible. So yeah. So they must, do they knock out two, two a year or is it? They do two a year. Yes. They obviously last year was the first, well, Borneo season, but in, except for the early days, Last year, they so season forty was sort of um, a celebration. It was a twentieth anniversary, twenty year anniversary. So they did an all winners season, which was sort of the dream season. Everyone had always wanted a season where all former winners come back and play, and it was a pretty good season. And then, yeah, they sort of everything you know aside, they they couldn't do season forty one last year. So technically, we should be up to season forty three now in the US, but obviously they've lost two seasons. But it was the same with Australian Survivor. After All Stars last year, they were meant to do. Uh, the next season at the end of last year, but obviously they can't. But I, I believe they're filming the current, the next season, which will air early next year, right now, um, as opposed to the one that's airing at the moment. Yeah. Of course. Well, uh, I understand. Uh, you know, let me know if you don't want to uh, talk about this too much. But uh, you know, I love some of the stuff you email me. It's hilarious. I love, <laughs> I like your writing style. Um, but basically, you said, you know, I was asking you for a bit of information or some talking points on the podcast, and you said, oh. Um, you know, you provide heaps of stuff. And other than that, you can just Google me. Although you might find some uh, hate threads about <laughs> the early days of your Survivor podcast. You've got to elaborate a little bit on that. Well, yes. Um, it sort of came back to, yeah, the Survivor Oz days. Um, so we kind of took off weirdly in that aspect when we started getting listeners. And um, I guess I was sort of known for a few things. I was known as a bit of a suck up which I am, I'll own that. So like I'd get every guest on the show and every single guest was like, oh my God, you're my favourite. Yeah. Um, and I think kind of people didn't like that. I, I had sort of tying into what I was saying before about how, you know, I like Revenge of the Sith or I like Die Another Day. I kind of like sort of the things that aren't necessarily popular in the fan community. So I would like seasons and contestants that weren't very well liked. So therefore I had opinions that a lot of people didn't like. Um, and I guess I just got to a point where I was also a little bit outspoken. So I'd kind of, uh, speak out and kind of, you know, not be afraid to say certain things. So yeah, there was, um, a very prominent survivor forum called survivor sucks, which had sort of been around gosh, since, you know, the old seasons, well before social media. So it's sort of, you know, if you ever want a, a time capsule of how people were thinking during the original survivor seasons, uh, and we use it a lot on Australian survivor archives because there's threads about the original Australian Survivor season. So it's actually really good to get in the mindset of what people were thinking while they were watching it. So yeah, there, there was somebody created the sort of the Survivor Oz thread, which at the time was like the second or third most commented thread on this forum. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but then somebody started up the the Ben Waterworth sucks or the Ben Waterworth hate. And, I, you know, 
it, they kind of always say you make it when you've got haters, right? Um, so it, it was funny. It's just like, oh God, I, there's one comment I remember, and I don't think I can read it out completely uh, in terms of the appropriateness of it, but it was something about bagging out Tasmanians and, you know, the stereotypes, but then relating me to like the worst thing to come from Tasmania since David Boone, which I was more offended because I'm like, you know, that's not very nice. David Boone's a legend. Yeah, David Boone's <laughs> great. That's a compliment. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was strange because, you know, there was just, just some of the stuff that people would say, but it kind of, it, it took a weird turn because we, um, the, the most prominent Survivor podcast in the world is, is a podcast called Rob Has a Podcast. The guy who hosts it was um, a season six contestant and also came back for All Stars in season eight. And Jeff Probst famously called him the best player never to have won. Um, I mean, that was at the time. A lot, of, a lot of people have played since. I don't think that still stands true. But um, he's very popular, very, very popular. And his podcast, I mean, it's huge. It's, you know, we were number two to him at one point. But, wow. you know, that's like saying that I'm the, the the second fastest man in the world behind the same bolt. There's a big gap between number one <laughs> and number two still, right? Yeah, so we we interviewed him. And I think a lot of our um, our listeners came from, there was another interview around when we interviewed him of another contestant called Rob, who was on another season. And a question we asked, I can't remember what the question was, but basically this other Rob said that the Rob from the podcast was a bit of a douche and kind of like started bagging him out. I was like, okay, whatever. That kind of leaked out to other Rob who then was like, don't know what he's talking about. I was only ever nice to him. So then people went, started listening to our show. It's like, oh, what did he say? And it kind of, it all fell from there. So a lot of his fans who are very like the Survivor fan community is a very interesting fan community. We got stuck with a lot of stick from that and then, you know, over the years, we just, yeah, it was kind of opinions and things and everything that people didn't really like what I said. So, but again, I owned it for all yeah. the bad we had. We had a lot of good. I mean, that's great. I went, yeah, I went to reality events in the States to meet these contestants and do interviews and stuff like that. And I'd have people asking me for my autograph and I just like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like who, like, who am I? Like nobody. So it was, no, it was, that's awesome. All the bad. We got a few good bits out of it. Well, Ben, to bring it full circle would, I'm glad that we ended with some positive uh, at the end when you yes. know, when there's some negative. It's great when there's some positive coming out. And that's you know, that's kind of like a analogy for the internet. It can be a pretty horrible place at times, but it's also a great platform to to showcase positivity. And you know, coming back to your um nomination in the Young Achiever Awards back in 2010, and again, this is bringing it full circle, Spirit of Tasmania were the sponsor of that award. And because of a quirk in our system, the way it's filed, I can't find the award category that you were nominated in. Do you remember? I think I have that somewhere around here, actually, because it's sort of you talk about full circle and everything. Um, wh- one of the guests we had recently on Off the Podium was a 400-meter hurdler Olympian from London by the name of Tristan Thomas, a, a Tassie guy. And um, I'd interviewed him many years ago for The Brink, and we kind of got him on recently. He, out of nowhere, sent me a photo of the program of that award and ah, i've got it here it's yeah. actually it was literally the spirit of tasmania award that's what it was called yeah well that's, um, what, that's what i've got it as the spirit yeah. of tasmania award so maybe it was yeah. about the spirit because um and we've had a really good relationship with the tasmanian industry of sports we've had a lot of young athletes nominated so i wonder if he was there that night 
I think he was because I think that's why like he sent me the program because again it's like it's it's sort of he and I had sort of talked on and off over the years I think I'd also had written a magazine article on him at, at one point um, and yep. his dad was the Lord Mayor of Hobart so kind of you know um, and I'd interviewed him plenty of times so yeah it was just one of these random out of the blue it says like you know you have received an image from Tristan okay what's this and you open it up and it's like oh, there it is there the it program. is there's, there's my write up from the Spirit yep. of Tasmania Awards from 2010 so yeah. Yeah, well, uh, so, you know, we've got you on all these years later. Spirit of Tasmania were a lot sponsor for a long time and then they were not. And now they are again. So Great. that's good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all these things, they come in, they come in circles. There's waves to life. And, uh, you know, you're in one wave where you're back in Tassie. And uh, for your sake, Ben, I hope that you get to go where it is you want to be when uh, the world returns to a bit more normality, when we can travel again um, easier. No, thank but, you. Um, I, I look forward to that too. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> it sounds do. like there's a, a lot of podcasts. Is there an easy place people can go to find out more about you and to kind of get some more info on those podcasts? Yeah, look, the easiest way is probably just hit me up on my website, benwaterworth.com. Um, do that because if you type Ben Waterworth in Google, you'll probably find the other Ben Waterworth, the more famous Ben Waterworth, the Fox the Sports, Sports reporter. Ben yep. Waterworth. We are different people. We still get confused. <laughs> I mean, I when I worked at the Mercury, he worked at the Herald Sun. Oh, Literally, wow. our email addresses were exactly the same, except I had to have the number two in my name. They couldn't Ooh. put Benjamin.waterworth at news.com.au. They had to put Ben.waterworth2. It was very annoying because every email you get, there's two of you? Yes. Yes. Um, but, yeah, benwaterworth.com is where you can find it. There's, there's links there to sort of other episodes and kind of links to all the shows there and some other former sort of things that I do. So... Yeah, I guess if people are so inclined to kind of see me, I, I will say that uh, ignore the images. I've lost a lot of weight since a lot of those images on those photos. So enjoy fat Ben Waterworth and, uh, you know, stay for the fat, stay for the thin when you stalk me on social media if you're really if you're so inclined to. Why not? <laughs> no, it's great, Ben. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate it uh, very, very much. Really enjoyed the chat. I'm looking forward to uh, getting into some of your other podcasts because they're basically all topics that I like as well. So uh, it's been very fun. No, Josh, thank you very much. A pleasure to chat with you and, uh, yeah, to all your listeners. Hopefully, uh, if I haven't inspired you, I've maybe somewhat entertained you for at least five minutes during this chat. So, uh, no, it's a pleasure and uh, best of luck with everything and look forward to hearing some more of these great guests coming up on the show too. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview. If you liked it or any of our other episodes, it would be great if you can rate and review the Inspirational Australians podcast. It really helps us out. If someone you know needs a little dose of inspiration, why not let them know about this podcast? And if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. You can always head to our website at awardsaustralia.com slash podcast for more information and details on each guest. Now, before we go, I'd like to thank Annette, our producer. Here's a fun fact. Annette is my mum. And our other host, Jeff, is my dad. This podcast is brought to you by Awards Australia, a family-owned business that proudly uncovers the stories of people who make a difference for others. We can only do this with the support of our corporate and not-for-profit partners as they make our awards programs possible. So do you know someone making a difference? If you'd like to recommend someone to be a guest on the podcast, get in touch through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians. Or maybe your business might like to sponsor the podcast or get involved with the awards we run. Head to our website, awardsaustralia.com for more details.
Until next week, stay safe. And remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.